he had made a reservation at this really nice restaurant. So there's a lot of couples out. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there, and he's looking at the couples, and then he says to me, did you Google me? Out of nowhere. Oh. And I'm like, what? What? Like, did you Google? Like, even if you did Google the date, you're never going to bring that up, right? Like, you're no, going to talk about it that's not, like, sexy date stuff. So literally, I was like, no, are you, like, a murderer or something you know about? Like, I mean, because I'm not going to give him that satisfaction. So welcome back. We're here for another episode of Interstates and Heartbreak, a podcast all about the shared experience of dating in Los Angeles. I am so honored to have today's guest on the podcast. I have Jenna Cutter. She's a personal stylist, a fashion blogger, and the founder of Chloe Madison LA. And I actually met Jenna because of the podcast. It's been one of my favorite unexpected things is the fact that this has had the potential to formulate new connections. And Jenna is someone who I was introduced to because we had a mutual connection three-day rule, which we'll dive into. And it's really just evolved into a very open dialogue about our past relationships, our family, dating, all of that great stuff. So Jenna, welcome. Thanks. I'm so excited. Yeah. Connecting with you was like one of the best things ever. We've never met in person, but I feel like we could be like best of friends. So I'm super excited. And thanks for having me. Yes, of course. I feel the same way, honestly. It definitely feels like I know you more than like from two months ago after being introduced on Instagram. It's crazy. The social media just is awesome because it can bring like the best of all the worlds that we would never have known. Yeah, I feel like we have really connected about so much. And so I guess we can dive into what we first talked about. And I think you had reached out shortly after I released an episode with Talia Goldstein, the founder of Three Day Rule Matchmaking, because you were looking into their services. Yeah. So it's so funny. I love podcasts. I listen to them every week. I was kind of telling you pre obviously COVID, I would travel every week. So I always like Mm -hmm. had my lineup of like finding new information and stuff. And I had found you through her Instagram. I think she was sharing (laughs) that she was on the podcast. So of course Mm -hmm. I had to listen to it. And then I had to reach out to you and ask you all the questions because it was something I was definitely looking into. I'm at an age, I'm 36. I have a child that's six. Like, Mm -hmm. I call dating in L.A. dumpster diving. So that's (laughs) definitely why I yes to reach out. Yeah, I mean, you're so right. And I feel like if you can get someone else to go through all the trash for you to find that treasure, why not? Yeah, you know, I've tried every online dating site. And Mm -hmm. it's just, I mean, I could write a book. I have stories for days on that. But (laughs) this one seemed to be the most legit, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, and the interview process and the dynamic of it is so different. Mm -hmm. And I really liked it. Like, yeah. So I haven't gone through the process yet, but I was definitely hooked after my first conversation with Talia and then after our interview. And so I'd love to hear from your perspective as a client. What is the process like? What distinguished three day rule from the other services that you'd explored before? So really, like, they have to interview you first, which I think is huge, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
I'm a big person on like I want transparency and like I don't want them just to accept everyone because mm-hmm. yes I know it's a paid service but at the same time you know some people aren't in the right place to date or they yeah. haven't fixed what they need to look for first so for me I really liked that they go in and like interview you first it's like an interview process almost like you're going for a job but mm-hmm. you gotta dish out everything you gotta talk about the good the bad the ugly your past your wow. past dating experiences what you're looking looking for and go through every single detail and I think Mm -hmm. that's like so important especially dating with having a six-year-old I think that's Mm -hmm. even more crucial you want to make sure that the person's obviously like safe vetted out and I don't always have the time to be going on a million dates a week like that's just not in my schedule I wish it was but I Mm -hmm. and with COVID I don't think anyone we just got our restaurants back open so yeah I know it's so true like it's such a full-time job for you in particular like you mentioned earlier you travel for work it's so hard to date in your city when half of the time you're not here because you're on the road for like a variety of reasons definitely and it's so funny because people would be like oh, well, you're traveling into all these airports and you're flying all over. You'll definitely sit next to someone and meet someone. And I'm like, Uh, no, I've been flying for many years every week. I have yet to sit next to someone or meet someone. So I wish that was the truth. And I wish it was that easy, but it's really not. And I think the older that we get, we're also looking for different things, right? Like Mm -hmm. I go back to like my 20s and I'm like, oh, I wasn't looking for that. Like, that wasn't Mm -hmm. like a must-have or something I cared about because I wasn't at that place in my life. Mm -hmm. And yes, I like to go out and have fun, but I don't want to meet someone at a club because that's not going to be like what I'm doing on the regular. That's so true. So that's so interesting that you bring up the fact that what you're looking for has changed because I feel like, of course it does. You know, we reprioritize, we have experiences that teach us some things that we thought might be good in a partner that actually aren't. So I'd love to hear what are some of the main qualities that you now look for that you might not have in the past? Yeah. So I think I shared with you before, I have a really good sense of, I guess, like red flags are a huge Mm -hmm. thing to me. Yes. It being stable emotionally, mentally, physically. And listen, I wasn't always there. I thought I was until I got into a relationship with a narcissist. And you can be mm-hmm. the smartest person in the world and get into a relationship with them. And you've yeah. got to go through a lot of therapy and a lot of self-reflecting to be able to kind of know. But my gut instinct now is usually right on. I can instantly tell within starting communication with them. And some people will say to me, but Jenna, you think everything is a red flag. And I'm like, no, no, no. these are really like deal breaker red flags. You know, Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. think for me, it was like stable honesty, be able to communicate because not everything is perfect. And I'm not looking for perfect because in reality, none of us are perfect. And Mm -hmm. I always say your shit's got a mess with their shit. Basically, (laughs) it just got a mesh. And I think at this point in my life, there's certain things I'm looking for. Like, I need you to be ambitious. I'm ambitious. Mm -hmm. I want you to make me a better person. I want you to be my best friend, my partner. Like, when I'm having a bad day, like, hey, you know, just like that Mm -hmm. reassurance, I think. Yes. Am I looking for, like, a shining white armor with, like, a white horse? No, because that's not realistic. Yeah. And I think also you have to be vulnerable too. And it's scary to be vulnerable. I was just having this conversation last night, actually, with a friend. I said, I'm so set in my ways. I'm so happy where I'm at. I've been the happiest Mm -hmm. I've ever been. 
I'm on my own. I'm 100% self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking for someone that's going to come take care of me. I want someone to be that other half and bring yeah. half to the table, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. I'm a huge believer in therapy. I think therapy was one of the best tools you can ever give yourself. I wish there wasn't so much like stigma because I feel yeah. that it's such a healthy place to really understand. And you do need to go through the relationships in your past that you've been in. Obviously, they didn't work for a reason. You have to find what works for you. You know, I love that test where it's like, what's your love language? Because how many times do we talk to our partner and been like, what makes you feel good? Mm -hmm. We probably wouldn't even know half of our ex's love languages, to be honest. And they probably wouldn't know ours. I know. I love the love languages. I feel like they're so important to just understand where someone's coming from with communication. The last three guys I dated, I made them all take the quiz just because I do feel like it can tell you so much and it can really help you kind of avoid certain conflicts when you're like, well, why aren't you doing this? And then you realize, oh, that's just not how you're used to expressing yourself. You don't see the importance in that that I do. A hundred percent. You really have to reflect, especially when I left my daughter's dad, I needed to really reflect on like, How did this happen? How did I get here? What is it that I'm looking for? And I really like took a break. Like I I dated just to date, to have fun. Like when I didn't have my daughter to keep my mind off of everything I was going through, but I wasn't Mm -hmm. looking for like my next relationship because Mm -hmm. honestly I needed to be by myself. I've been in like back-to-back relationships forever. I was Mm -hmm. like, I need to face my biggest fear. And my biggest fear was, I'm 30 when I, you know, had my daughter and I left her dad mm-hmm. and she was mm-hmm. a baby, like 10 months old. Yeah. And my biggest fear was to be single and by myself. And mm-hmm. honestly, I needed to conquer that fear. No matter how terrified I was, it was the best thing I ever did for myself. And I can honestly say the fear was not as bad once I conquered it. Like this thing in my head was so made up about why I needed to be with someone even Mm -hmm. if they weren't good for me and settling. Mm -hmm. And I was never a settler. Like that's just not my nature. So I think going back to that, it's so important that you go and talk to a therapist and really like Mm -hmm. understand your past relationships, why they didn't work and what are you truly looking for and swiping and like everyone can put anything they want on these dating websites. Like who's there to validate it, right? I mean, at the end of the day. Oh my gosh, yes. I could put I'm princess whoever and <laughs> you you know you can believe it it's like I think mm-hmm. of my like six-year-old daughter who comes home and tells me these extravagant stories and I'm like yeah but that could be like literally like on the dating app it's and so maybe I watch like too much IDTV in 2020. <laughs> No, honestly, um, when my mom listens to this episode, she is going to be like, see, I told you because I primarily use the apps right now. And she's very much like, you literally don't know who you're meeting. The apps are not the way to go, which I do agree with. Like, it's not ideal for me. It's kind of like a means to an end, especially now when you're not going out and having those opportunities to meet people organically. But yeah, it's like when you have the option to use a matchmaker who's filtering through these people, at least you do have that feeling of security that it's like, okay, you're not going to get catfished. This isn't some scam artist. Like it's someone who's really taking the process seriously and is being genuine. Well, I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen like the Dirty John podcast or did you Oh my God, yes. I mean. That was crazy. That's a clear, I mean, literally, I mean, yes, he was a narcissist sociopath for sure, but 
literally mm-hmm. like he was on a dating app and he said he was a yeah. doctor i mean who's there like if you're smart enough like if someone tells me they're a doctor i'm going on the california state board website <laughs> yes. and looking up and verifying that they're a doctor because obviously you know has to have licenses and stuff mm-hmm. but i think like it's so superficial and to go back to online dating i hate it because i am old school like I guess I was born in the wrong time because I'm like, I want the men to court. I want you to open the door for me. I want you mm-hmm. to, like, meet you in person because I'm the kind of person yeah. that's, like, a lot of times I would date someone. But if I look at just their profile and, like, I'm swiping, I'm like, oh, no, I'm not interested. And yeah. I'm the old school way. But at the same time, it's like, how are you going to meet someone? It's so hard, right? It really is. It really is. And I feel like especially because the apps have come to such prominence, I don't know. I feel like it has kind of like limited people's openness to approaching people in person. And not for everybody. I just do feel like, you know, if someone is kind of hesitant and shy, then I can see them being like, well, why should I put myself out there and like potentially get rejected face to face when I have the apps and I just have an endless number of women that I can swipe through instead? Oh, yeah. And then it's kind of, I think, especially here in LA, I'll say this. And, you know, whenever I used to travel to other states, I would open up the app just to Mm -hmm. see the difference, right? Yes. And what people are looking for. And I feel like here in LA, and I'm from here, so I can say this full heartedly, grown, (laughs) born, raised here. We always want, like, what's greener on the other side. Like, or Mm -hmm. what is that person going to do for us? Or what is that going to do to our status? Or, yeah. I'm not ready to commit. We have this like Peter Pan syndrome. Yeah. And it's so prevalent on the apps. Mm -hmm. Like they can say that they're looking for a long-term relationship, but then when it comes down to it, they're, they're really not or they're not ready. Yeah. They like convince themselves that they're ready, but it's like, they haven't really done the work. And then they're like, Ooh, like this is getting kind of serious. I don't know. My friend, she coined this term and I use it all the time. She says dating in LA, it's like a city of tens searching for an 11. So it's like, no matter what, you can have like the most amazing partner and you're still going to be like, Oh, but what else is out there? I love that one. You're like looking at a diamond in a rough. And I have an ad factor. Listen, not everyone is going to want to date me. I have a kid from a previous relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't consider her the baggage. And I, I will always say this. I love my daughter more than anything. I would do anything to protect her. Mm-hmm. I think the baggage with her is her dad, to be honest with you. Like, mm-hmm. are you willing yeah. to put up with that? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, my daughter is amazing. I, and I'm not just saying mm-hmm. that because she's my daughter. But at the end of the day... That also weeds people out. Like, not everybody yeah, is okay yeah. with that. Mm-hmm. I think one thing, and it can be hard because it's already so difficult to find someone who you feel is a match already without weeding people out, but it's kind of nice because then the people who aren't serious and aren't there for the right reasons, I feel like they'll disqualify themselves, you know, because they're not really like willing to put up with something once it gets difficult. So while it can make it difficult in the initial phases, I feel like long term, it would help to find someone who's like more serious and a good long term partner down the line. Yeah, I mean, it does and it doesn't, right? Like, I was talking to my friend at the same time, and we both were kind of, like, getting on the dating apps together. And she doesn't have kids. And I'm like, oh, but you have so much more choice. But then I was like, I wouldn't want that choice that Mm -hmm. is out there. There's that saying, right? Like, if you go in the middle in a circle and Mm -hmm. you put your stuff in the middle and you have a choice to take other people's stuff, 
most of the mm-hmm. time you would take your stuff back. So that's true. I love that. Yeah, everyone has their own difficulties that they're dealing with. And so it's just a matter of like, I don't know, which are like more attuned to what you're looking for and like your experience. Exactly. And like I say, when it's my time with my daughter and I have her pretty much almost like 100%. I'm not introducing her to anyone. No one's coming Mm -hmm. to my house. Like I'm Mm -hmm. a firm believer, like there's boundaries. And when it's right, I'll introduce her to someone. But it's not Mm -hmm. like a free flowing door that's open and closed because that's just not what I think is appropriate for her mental state either. Mm-hmm. So from your perspective, like at what point would you feel like, okay, I can trust this person. I feel like the relationship has progressed enough and now I'm comfortable introducing them to my daughter. Yeah, that's a great question. So I've gotten asked that a couple of times and my original thought like back, I don't know, when I started like six years ago, I guess she's she's six. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, six months and you put like this time frame on it, but it's not yeah. really like a time frame. Like I no. think it's like a conversation with the person that you're with and are they comfortable? And honestly, yeah. like I, you know, a therapist told me like, when she was younger, it was different. They were like, you know, introduce mm-hmm. as a friend, you know, because mm-hmm. I have a lot of guy friends. So she doesn't mm-hmm. really know, you know, boyfriend, you know, not. I think I would slowly introduce. And the conversation would definitely have to be there with the person that I'm dating. And they have to be comfortable with it, too. I think that's mm-hmm. like a slow progression, like moving in kind yeah. of situation, you know, not moving in the home but like moving into the family dynamic basically yeah yeah so i can't say for sure now if it's someone that i'm dating and i'm not sure if this is like gonna work out or long term or i don't see like a future with that's kind of like my indicator for me i think yeah that makes sense that makes sense so now that you're diving into three-day rule like have you had any matches so far like are there any promising prospects or is it still kind of early on in the process where they're learning about your preferences Okay, so I started January 1st. What a great fresh start to the year. Yeah, fresh start for the year. I got actually my first match two days ago. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's like super new. I was like so excited because like every (laughs) Friday she's like updating you and it's like, oh, email, (laughs) yay. Mm -hmm. So it was funny, like I'm going to be dead honest about this. So she's like, can I schedule a call with you? And like, I've been on a trade show for work all week, but it's mm-hmm. remote, which is very interesting in itself. So yeah. I was like, yes, I'm like, okay, I'm going to duck out of my zoom room and go to meet her like <laughs> at 1230 or something. Mm-hmm. And she's like, did you get my email? I was like, dying to hear about the match. So I go to open my email and I go and look at it. And I'm like, he's not my type. Like, I'm the kind of person that I know instantaneously when I meet someone mm-hmm. from online if it's like a go or not. Oh, like wow. and it's not so much like physical attraction. That's mm-hmm. it has to be like the whole picture, the chemistry, yeah. the like the pieces. But mm-hmm. I am going with an open mind. So Love that. with them, they want the guy to like reach out to you. Okay. So he did. We texted and like, I'm going to, you know, give it a shot. He's not what I would pick usually. Okay. So we'll see how it goes. Like, I'm very kind of interested to see how this goes. I'm so excited for you. I love that you're going into it with an open mind. Out of curiosity, like what were some of the things that stood out that made you kind of say like, oh, this is different from what I would normally go for? So 
I have always traditionally had like such a type and I hate that word because it <laughs> sounds very superficial and it's not who I am but it's just like what I'm usually attracted to I guess mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's right or wrong probably mm-hmm. wrong because seriously it hasn't worked so far <laughs> um, I don't even know how to say this because I don't know him well enough yet or mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. talk to him to like say what it wasn't but like her write up about him was just like oh that's definitely not my kind of style usually so that part was like kind of weird I am attracted to like ambitious like you know go getter Mm -hmm. like not complacent so that he has but like his go getter kind of style is very different than like what I would usually be attracted to I guess so interesting it's like sad because my go getter (laughs) is like cookie cutter like in Mm -hmm. the corporate world and except Mm, I, I have to deviate from that what you say about having a type, I totally get that to people it sounds bad. It sounds like you're limiting yourself. But I think you already have proven that you're not because you're open to, you know, going on dates with people who are outside of that. And recently, this influencer who I follow, she gave a really good analogy where she was like, yeah, I have a type, but it's like having a favorite food. It's like if someone suggests that favorite food, you're going to get more excited. But it doesn't mean that that's the only food you eat. You know, it's like you're still open to other things. It's yeah. just everyone has their initial preference. References. Totally. And I think this experience is going to help me. Like, I need to, like, branch out. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny because when I go back to getting into a relationship with my daughter's dad, he is not my type at all, right? And oh. I went from the one extreme. I was like, I loved the bad boys. I, I mm, loved that interesting. before. So I was like, I need to go to the other extreme. <laughs> and I remember being in therapy and she was like, yeah, we need to, like, get out of that. Like, date someone mm-hmm. that's not. And I remember, like, talking to her and sitting and being like... I met this guy at work and he's not really my type, but he's like funny. And that was like my extreme. And I went the other (laughs) way and going the Mm. other way was actually really bad. It was not a good choice. So I'm kind of like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) it's so hard to find that right balance. And especially when you're trying something new for the first time, it's like you might know what the red flags are for one personality type. But then if you're trying a new personality type and like you don't really know what to look out for and like what the tells are for that person. Oh, no, not at all. Like, I mean, the thing about being in a relationship and this is something I have to remember because being in a relationship with a narcissist is something you've never felt in your life. You're going to mm-hmm. feel like you're on cloud nine. You've been put on this pedestal. A relationship is not supposed to feel like that in the mm-hmm. beginning. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be actually really boring. And once you've had that, it's like hard to get out of that, even though you know it's not mm-hmm. healthy. But you're like, I want those sparks. I want that like your stomach is sick because you're like, oh, I like yeah. you. You know, like, yeah. but it's not supposed to feel that way. So it's kind of hard. It is hard. And I feel like everything we see in the media, it shows those relationships that are maybe kind of volatile in the beginning, or like you said, they're sweeping you off your feet. And it doesn't show the bad side that comes with that. It's just like, oh, well, like this is their soulmate. So of course there's this like really deep emotion that's associated with it. And it's like, no, it really shouldn't be that crazy because it's like, if it's that crazy early on, there's no way that that's sustainable in a healthy way long-term. It's not sustainable. And I'll tell you that, like, going back and really understanding 
like what kind of relationship I was in and the red flags. Like, I mean, I could tell you, I mean, going back from the beginning, like what were the red flags in my past relationship and really see them. And I say that saying, like, it's funny, I shared on social media the other day, no amount of painting those red flags pink is going to make (laughs) anything. Like I was always the fixer. And even when I was pregnant with my daughter and I was in therapy and I remember I had the best therapist ever. In fact, I waited a year and a half to go back to him after I left my ex because I wanted to get, he was so good. And when I mean good, I would walk out of that therapy office hysterically crying, but in a good way because I knew I was healing and working Mm -hmm. through the emotions, but I'll never forget. He was like, you're dealing with a narcissist. And I was like, oh no, no, I can fix that. Like I was (laughs) always the fixer. And It's such a bad quality and habit, and it's so detrimental to yourself. And I wish more people would discuss it Mm -hmm. and understand it. And I wish these things were taught in school. Like, I think that our personalities and mental health and everything needs to be discussed in school because... Mm -hmm. I had no idea about these things. And people will say to you all the time, how could you not know? Like, I could never be in a relationship like that. And I'm like, oh, no, you need to go on the internet. There's Mm -hmm. doctors, smart people that get into relationships like this. And it Mm -hmm. is the most toxic. It will knock you off your feet. But I have to always look at the positive. People are like, how are you so positive about it? I'm like, well, I really learned what I don't want and I learn Mm -hmm. what's healthy and what's not healthy. Unfortunately, having a child with a narcissist is not as easy as if you get out of a relationship with a narcissist. You are connected to them. You're usually in the horrible family court system, which I've been in for Mm -hmm. a very long time. It's Mm -hmm. messy and it's long. Like, whereas if you're in a relationship with someone, you can literally get out of that toxic relationship and shut the door forever without having children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we just need to really dive in. And like what you said about anyone being able to fall susceptible to being in a relationship with a narcissist, it's so scary because like you mentioned, Dirty John, I listened to that. I was fascinated. And in my mind, I was thinking like, no way could that ever happen to me. But you really don't know. And I think one really public example of that happening, I wish I remembered her name, but it was the journalist who I think was covering Martin Shkreli's case. And he was like one of the most hated men in America and didn't seem to have any redeeming qualities, but just like sucked her in, like ruined her entire marriage. And it's just a prime example of someone who has it all together on paper. You wouldn't think would fall susceptible to that. And she did. So I would love to hear from you, first of all, what it was like when you met your ex, because you said that you had some red flags that posed themselves right away. And then which of those red flags aligned with him being narcissistic and just overall signs that you might be dating a narcissist? Yeah. So great question. So when I met him, first of all, I'm a big person. Don't date where you work. So we Mm -hmm. work together, but I've been in sales my whole life. So if you know sales, you're remote. I mean, you Mm -hmm. go to meetings together, but he was like the class clown. And I kind of thought he was dorky. And I was like, (laughs) okay, I'm always going for the bad guy. I'm going to go for the other guy. And I think in the beginning, the relationship was also exciting because we were hiding it from, Mm, you know, work mm -hmm. and stuff. And like, we were really good at it. And so that's kind of like the adrenaline, you know, like 
the fun part, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the first signs was he had gotten out of a relationship. I was like his second real relationship. He's older than oh. I am, four years older than I am. And he had been with her for like seven years. They never mm-hmm. lived together. She wow. wanted to get married. And he's like a perpetual bachelor. I would say like Peter Pan syndrome. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. his mind, like marriage was when you get married, your life is over. And let me oh. preface this by saying in the background, his dynamics of his family, maybe that's part of the reason why. And like his friends, because even his friends that were married, I mean, like the husband has to be home on the couch at nine o'clock, like just very oh. like controlling and and not healthy relationships. Yeah. Which is funny is because I remember they would go golfing and they would be like, oh my God, Jenna lets you go for like a boy's trip to the Vegas without her. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because I want to do that with my girlfriends. Like I'm not a dog. I'm not like putting you on a leash <laughs> and you need yeah. to do these things. Like super unhealthy. And I've always been very independent. So I think for me, mm-hmm. like I'm not a needy kind of person in a relationship. But one of the first things I was like, well, why didn't it work out? with your I was always like some people think it's weird when you want to ask about exes but I think it's a good tail-tall sign of like mm-hmm. usually what happens in the past is gonna happen in the future right like yes most of the yes time. so I remember the first thing and he's let me preface this by saying he's super into exercising like being mm. very fit like basically mm-hmm. always talked down about being overweight which is a huge red flag Um, like of talking about people like and being obsessive about it and Mm -hmm. his ex-girlfriend she was a heavier girl and he for christmas he told me that he bought her personal training sessions at the gym and that if she didn't lose weight he was gonna dump her and to me that's a huge red flag like a ginormous red flag like yeah i mean that was probably one of the first red flags that's wild i i mean i was shocked i was like could you imagine your boyfriend telling you like no like that's so hurtful and (laughs) so manipulative super manipulative and then the second i think also was like his family dynamic i thought at first like his mom was like really sweet and let me say this by prefacing i have never like had an in-law problem or whatever you know Mm. I know there's a lot of people that don't Mm -hmm. like their in-laws but like my last boyfriend before him I was sad to like break up with him to leave his family I was like so Mm. close to this family loved his parents like his sister everything so this dynamic was very interesting so Mm. I I met his mom and dad and his dad is like the sweetest person I still love his dad to this day the mom like I thought she was like really sweet this like homemaker she was Mm. you know really well known in their community she was a kindergarten teacher forever Mm. but then I started to see the dynamics and then I met his brother and his brother was married and they were newly married and Mm -hmm. she was pregnant with her first child Mm-hmm. She was so nasty to me, like the whole oh. dynamic. And then I saw the dynamic of their marriage like play mm-hmm. out in front of us. And I was just like, yeah. oh, my God, this is like very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And then she had her first baby. And that's when everything went crazy. Like his mom like loved her, but they're the same person. And that's what I realized mm-hmm. afterwards. Interesting. And she wasn't allowed in the birth room. So then they had, like, a whole falling out. And then the mom, like, basically oh rallied her troops, as she calls it. And, like, 
it was like World War Three between his brother, the wife, a new baby, and the mom, and like all the other families. So then it was like oh this my God. constant toxic family environment. And to this day, I've been gone almost seven years. It's mm-hmm. still going on. Like I thought after That's I left, because like you know horrible. you gotta hate someone. Uh-uh. That's really crazy. I mean, how exhausting. Like, what a horrible environment to, like, have to raise your child in. It's so bad. And I got to say, like, I could be on your podcast for days sharing. (laughs) But there were so many red flags. And I will preface this by saying, you're like, but Jenna, how could you, like, stay? That's like, I mean, that's crazy what you're telling me. I have Crohn's, I have a disease, and I was going through Mm -hmm. a really bad time. So right when I had started dating him, like, very seriously, I ended up in the hospital and having to get my Mm. colon removed. So I went through some traumatic stuff of my own where I was like, Mm -hmm. my body changed. I was like, no one's going to want me. Like, I Mm. stayed in the relationship because I was insecure about my medical stuff I was going through. Mm -hmm. And in that time of me going through my medical stuff, I mean, I was in the hospital with sepsis and he mm. broke up with me before I was having surgery. I mean, these are red flags. Oh, like, my God. And, and then I got back together with him because you see the abuse uh, is so mm-hmm. – it's like a cycle. And then I got pregnant with my daughter. And my mom was a single mom. I mean, my parents are best friends. It's a total one-off. But mm-hmm. I never wanted that for my daughter. I wanted mm-hmm. to have that picket white fence and everything. I was like, I'm going to make it work. So we went to therapy. Mm-hmm. And when the therapist told me, like, what was going on and we had to, like, divulge everything, he's like, Jenna, he's a narcissist and it's not going to change. Mm. And literally, I was like, no, no, I can fix that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and I had no yeah. idea what a narcissist was. I had no idea what cluster yeah. B was. I had no idea about this stuff. And I mean, it was miserable. And we moved in together when I was like mm-hmm. seven months pregnant. Mm-hmm. And literally, after I had my daughter like six months, I had moved downstairs wow. into yeah. the guest bedroom. I was so miserable. It was like I was living with a roommate. There was no value add to it. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. he had never bathed our daughter in the first 10 months that oh my we God. lived together. There was just like no romantic connection. And I hated the toxicity of everything around us with him. Like mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. was just so toxic, so demeaning. And I felt so shitty about myself because mm. they put you down and they make you feel like you are not worthy of them. Wow. Um, and I honestly say leaving is the hardest part, but really it's not the actual act of leaving. It's the aftermath of like when you actually get out and leave is the mm. probably the hardest time ever. And when I mean mm-hmm. the hardest time for me, I had a new baby. Mm-hmm. He created a smear campaign against me on social oh media. Like what? brought it out into the world. Ew. And it was so toxic. And I'm on social media. I have a blog. I would never share this kind of stuff. And you don't bring no. it up. I do talk about it. I don't ever bring his name into it or the situation mm-hmm. because obviously I want to protect my daughter. But at yeah. the end of the day, this is real. People go through this. I mean, you know, Dirty John is a perfect example of this. Mm-hmm. And it's prevalent. 
And these kind of emotional toxicities can really change someone's life. Mm -hmm. And I think being in a relationship, like you have to be aware of this. This is not something that is foreign. And I feel like it's a lot more prevalent now than it ever Mm -hmm. was before. And it's not to say that women can't be it as well. And actually, a woman narcissist is more scary than a man because the women are mm. usually a little smarter. Like, we don't uh, have yeah. some of the, like, intricate things. Mm-hmm. But I'm grateful I went through it because it brought the best people in my life. Like, I would say yeah. that a million times over. And I really know the value of myself. Like, I got back to truly... And But this was, like, lots of therapy. Like, I'm not talking I just left him and it was, like, life was great. Oh, my God. Probably the first year was horrible. But I look back and it's funny. It's, like, when people ask me, like, what was the one thing? I'm, like, one thing? There was probably, like, Mm -hmm. 50 things, like, that Mm -hmm. I could go back and Mm -hmm. see. And it's so funny to me because I was, like, I just want him to date someone. Please, just go date (laughs) someone. I'll pay for it. I'll give you a gift card. Go pay for it. Just go. Because I was so, I had already mourned the relationship when I had moved out of our joint bedroom. That was, Mm -hmm, I was mm -hmm. done. I I couldn't look at him. I hated him. It was just like, Mm -hmm. there was nothing there. But I wanted him to go date because in a narcissistic mind, they need new prey, unfortunately. And they need something to obsess around and like be Mm. on. And because I wasn't, giving him any attention whether it be good or bad attention because they like yeah both. they need yeah. any kind of attention interesting um, he finally did date after a few years and he's still with this woman and i used to feel bad for her because i was like oh my god she has no idea what she's getting into but then mm-hmm. you know she's divorced and to me she's older than i am these are like blatant red flags and when i mean like Mm -hmm. i've had to call the cops on him in front of her there's been multiple incidences and then i had to take a step back and i was like okay i can't really feel that bad for her because i don't you know i know he's like brainwashing her and telling her i'm the crazy one and everything Mm -hmm. which is completely fine i listen as long as she's nice to my daughter yeah more power to her you know like stay with him please but i think Honestly, like, it's so important to me also to teach my daughter these self-values and respect. Because a lot of times we can also get into a relationship with a narcissist if one of our parents was a narcissist, too. That's so true. Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't really think about that. That's so, that's such an interesting challenge to navigate. And I'll tell you what really clicked for me and was the first, like, thing I remember. So I had run into a friend and she was like, oh, my God, you're going through this crazy thing. But I know somebody else at my preschool and she introduced me Mm. to this woman. And I was like, nobody understands what I'm going through. They all say, like, you know, I talked to her and we literally, like, talked for, like, an hour and a half standing up because what she was telling me was, like, the exact same thing I was going through. And she was like, you need to read this book called One Mom's Battle. I literally go to Amazon like we all do, right? I stayed up all night and read the book in like one sitting. I was like, oh, oh wow. my God, this is my life to a T. And I wow. was like, holy cow. I was like, okay, now I understood what narcissism was. Because even okay. the therapist telling me this, I was like, no, 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 I can fix it. Mm-hmm. I had to get out of the relationship and actually read this book and talk to other people. And then I was like, oh my Okay, it 
ding, ding. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. And honestly, it was, it was a game changer for me. Like, wow. really. And the hardest time in my life brought the best people into my life, if that makes sense. Yeah. Totally, yeah. It's like the people who are going to be there for you during something so difficult. It's like you know those are quality people who will be there for you through anything. Totally. And I needed someone to connect with that was going through what I was going through. Because I remember I was in a, when you have a newborn or a, a small toddler, she was under a year old. You go to these mm-hmm. like mommy and me classes and music classes and all this stuff. And I remember I would like say to my mom, I'd be like, oh my God, I hate this. Like, you know, I'm not <laughs> married. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. going through this custody battle. And this woman said to me, I'll never forget. She's like, oh, does your husband put her to bed so you can like go have a glass of wine? I'm like, no, I'm the mom, the grandpa, oh the dad, everything. Like there is oh. none of that here. Yeah. And then she looked at me and it was almost like I had a disease. So the best thing I did was I created my single mom's group. We have the best of Mm. friends. Our kids all Mm -hmm. get along. And we all are going through what I went through because you Mm want to connect. Like, because most people will be like, well, can't you just get along? I mean, you need to put your differences aside and co-parent. I'm like, co-parent? It's called parallel parenting with a narcissist mm-hmm. you cannot co-parent i walk outside and tell you the sky's blue he's gonna tell me it's purple you know oh so there's no like commonality there and i mean it's like it's like literally night and day difference of you know values and things and it becomes more progressive as the child gets older and gets into school too yeah there's such mm-hmm. different values and i think also we grew up very differently our expectations Mm -hmm. of life are so different and that's something that I never thought about in a relationship before that I think is so important if you want to have kids you need to talk about those things like your values and what you are because pre-having kids I didn't even think about that kind of stuff like that wasn't even on my dating radar Mm -hmm. I was like oh that doesn't matter like we can figure it out no 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 you need to figure that out before because let me tell you Once you have a kid, everything changes. And when I mean Mm -hmm. changes, like your values and things that you were okay with pre-kid, you're not okay with having a kid once you have the kid. Yeah. Gosh, I feel like I have literally so many questions because you have really had to go through such a, a wild experience. But the fact that you came out of it so grounded and so self-aware and with so many learnings, I feel like there's just so much that listeners can take from this. And I guess one question I have kind of going back to the earlier phases of the relationship. So you mentioned narcissists are all about charming people, but then it kind of evolves or devolves, I guess, into this thing where they start to put you down. They start to make you feel worthless. When you're dealing with a narcissist, like, how do they make that transition? Like, when does it stop from the overly flowery courtship to the manipulation and the put downs? Yeah. So in the beginning of a narcissist's court, it's called like love bombing. And you can actually Mm -hmm. look that up. And it's kind of funny. It kind of explains itself in the word, right? Love bombing. Mm -hmm. Like for an example, a love bombing can be as drastic as like hiring a private plane and taking you to Vegas, like unexpectedly, right? Like Mm -hmm. most normal people are not going to do that. Even if you're super rich and you have those funds. Love bombing is such a key thing. Like in the beginning of a relationship, it shouldn't feel super exciting. Actually, it should feel a normal, what they quote unquote normal relationship should actually feel kind of boring. Like it shouldn't Mm -hmm. be those over the top, like, you know, 
I'm talking like fancy dates, over the top, like things that you've never done before, right? Mm-hmm. And that old saying is, if it's too good to be true, it usually is, is yeah. really accurate when it comes to dating. And I think people, you get excited. Like who wouldn't? Oh, someone's going to take me on a yacht or a plane and I'm going to go on this date. Like I've never Mm -hmm. done that in my life. Like how amazing is that? Um, But I'll tell you that the love bombing. So once how the love bombing works is once they've wrapped you into the whole love bombing cycle. So they've got you on this, like you're super into them, right? Mm -hmm. You're so into this adrenaline of this dating style Mm-hmm. Once they know they have you like on the lock, that's when they start turning on you. If that makes I sense, I see it does. Yeah, and start degrading you. Mm. I can give you a perfect example of a dating app story that's a total love bombing. Like, had yes. even met the person yet, but I could see the narcissistic start. So again, I told you I used to travel. And so in the mm-hmm. beginning of the pandemic, I went back through my Bumble and I was like, oh, you know what? We have some free time right now. I'm not traveling. Mm-hmm. Let me go back. Well, with Bumble, like I fly through Arizona always. It's my territory too. But mm-hmm. I also fly through there because I'm weird and don't want to fly at LAX. So I'll fly to Burbank <laughs> and then Phoenix mm-hmm. and hop off. I matched with this guy in Phoenix and I was like, okay, let me like talk to him. You know, whatever. It's not that far. Okay. And Again, on paper, on Bumble, mm-hmm. he looked amazing. Like, <laughs> whatever. They always do. <laughs> always do. The conversation was so good. I was like, okay, this is, like, fun. And, like, for me, like, I can usually either feel connected or not. And I know kind of right away, right? Like, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I want to talk to him. He's interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, good looking. You know, he's ambitious. So, Obviously, I'm super busy. I was also homeschooling because we were in the Mm. middle of a pandemic, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is another podcast story because that's (laughs) just another episode. But I'm working, homeschooling, running her Girl Scout troop, you name it, I'm doing it. And then, like, you know, trying to throw in, like, dating, too. Like, we had been going back and forth, and then we had a FaceTime date. And it was, mm-hmm. like, really good. I've never done a FaceTime date. That was my first FaceTime date. But because we didn't live in the same city, like, what are you going to do, right? You're in mm-hmm. FaceTime. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, this is weird. Like, FaceTime date. Like, I planned it all out <laughs> because I knew I had to go pick up my daughter on Sundays. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I'll do it before I leave because, you know, by the time I get back, our week starts with my daughter and everything. So... I thought I had asked him a question, but you know, in your mind, when you have sent someone a question, mm-hmm. but you didn't ask it, but in your mind, you thought that you had sent that text message. Mm-hmm. So I thought I had asked a question and I said, oh, but you didn't answer my question. And then he wrote back. He's like, oh, you must be thinking of another guy you're talking to on Bumble. Ew. Okay. First of all, I've never met you. Yeah. I'm busy and I'm a mom and like, excuse me, like, okay, I didn't ask you the question, but clearly I thought in my mind I had sent that text. Mm -hmm. Then the other thing was that he said after that, which was even a more of a red flag to me is like, I hadn't even gone on a date with him in person, but he Mm -hmm. said that he took himself off of Bumble because he only dates Uh one person at a time. But it's like, you're literally not dating me. Like, slow down. And those were really big red flags to me. So I like, I'm talking to my girlfriend and I'm telling her this. And she's like, Jenna, 
you think everyone's a red flag. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but that's like really telltale signs. Like that's like not- textbook. Yeah, textbook. I went against my better judgment because everyone was like, no, Jenna, you're too picky. You know, you see red flags and everything. So I continued on. But I mentally, I'm very in tune with it. So I like, you know, digress. I'm writing it down, thinking about it. Anyways, in the middle of the pandemic, um, I had to travel to Arizona for work. It was my territory. I was working on a large deal. So I was like, I'll make two birds out of one stone. And this was like back in the middle of the summer, like really pandemic-y. But Arizona was open. Like you could mm-hmm. go to a restaurant. Like I, It had been months. I think it was like June. And I mm. was like, oh, my God. I, I was like, wow, the bars are like <laughs> full, you know. So I always stay at the same hotel in Arizona. And right across, mm-hmm. there's like all these cute little restaurants and bars. So he had suggested that we go there. And he's like, oh, do you want me to pick you up at the hotel? Um, and usually I'm super not comfortable with that because I would have like, mm-hmm. you know, Ubered myself or if I had my rental car. I, honestly, you could have walked across the street. I was like, okay, fine. We can meet in the hotel bar downstairs oh and let me preface this by saying he doesn't drink which is not a problem yeah but i asked him i wanted to ask that oh is it because you have an issue like fair he's like no i just i you know there was something there i never got to the bottom of it which Mm. is fine i'm not a huge drinker anyway but you know if you go on a date sometimes you have like a glass of wine or something totally so he had made a reservation at this really nice restaurant and it was so packed. It was like my first time at a restaurant in months because in California, mm-hmm. we've been completely closed. And I think it was, yeah, Friday night. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. couples out. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there and he's looking at the couples. And then he says to me, did you Google me? Out of nowhere. Oh. And I'm what? like, what? Like, did you Google? Like, even if you did Google the date, you're never going to bring that up, right? Like, you're no, going to talk about it That's not like sexy date stuff. So literally, I was like, no, are you like a murderer or something? Like, I mean, because I'm not going to give him that satisfaction because that was like another red flag. So I said that and he was like, oh, because it comes up on most of the first dates I have with people. I'm like, what? Oh, okay. This is weird. So he's like, oh, let me just get ahead of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And let's talk about himself. Because most narcissists mm. are super insecure about themselves. Oh. So I did Google him. Because um, mm-hmm. we all Google our dates. Come on. You know, like when you want to meet <laughs> someone. Um, especially if you watch, like, way too much IDTV, you think the killer's, like, <laughs> So I did Google him. He was an attorney. But he was the most eligible bachelor. And <laughs> Oh, I don't know. That kind of like squeezes me out. Like I know that's supposed to be like attractive, but it's like, oh, gross. And then we're sitting at the dinner table. So by this point, I'm like pretty sure I'm like, this is not for me. Okay. (laughs) He goes into politics, which Mm. at this point, and this is like pre obviously just our election. But listen, politics, I'm down to have a conversation, even if we have a different opinion, but mm-hmm. I don't believe that you should bring that up on the first date. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. And the things that he was saying was just like over the top. And I felt like it was like one of those moments where you feel super uncomfortable and you kind of want to mm. crawl underneath the table. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's how I felt. And then I just kept saying in my mind, I'm like, he is a complete like narcissist. A hundred percent. Like mm-hmm. these red vibes. 
And so finally, like, the evening ended, and I, I flew home early, like, the next day. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, yeah, not for me. Like, <laughs> but I did it. And I was like, in my old self, I would have, like, made excuses for that behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so easy to write it off if you don't know that it's indicative of a deeper issue. A hundred percent. And see, that's the foundation that most of us don't have if you haven't been in a relationship. It's like, we could paint those red flags pink and be like, oh, well, he was nervous or this or make excuses. Oh, he's really good on paper. He's a lawyer. He has a really good job. But like, Mm -hmm. I don't care what job you have. If you're president of the United States, (laughs) you're still a narcissist. Like, I don't want to be in a relationship with that. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, I love that phrase, painting the red flags pink. It's like, no, it's still a red flag. Like, you can gloss over it as much as you want, but it's not going to change your experience at the end of the day. Oh, my God. Never. And let me tell you, I mean, in the beginning of my custody battle, my ex and they they love to write 45 page documents over something. I would literally oh. like cry. I would be like, no, this is not true. Like, where oh. is this stuff coming from? But in the healing process of understanding what you're dealing with, like now I laugh at it, literally. I mean, I'll share a funny story with you, but I used to donate time to the fire department in my local area. And we have like a ring doorbell and all the security stuff because, again, too much IDTV. (laughs) And literally was like saying I was running a brothel out of my house with my daughter with the fire department. What? Like, what? shit like that is what I was getting. And I was like, oh, my God. Okay, first of all, I have a ring doorbell. But, like, pre-knowing what I was dealing with, I would have been like, oh, my God, horrified, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. it's our joke now between my friends. We're like, Jenna, you should – I mean, aren't you running the brothel? You should be a millionaire. And I'm like, "Mm." we laugh about it now. But before that, I would have been beside myself. Like, Mm, yeah. And no, I'm not running a brothel, just to clarify. (laughs) On the record. (laughs) On the record, I'm not running a brothel. But, you know, I mean, the shit that you can come up with is like, I say this all the time. I can't make up the shit that I've been through because it's so unrealistic that most people would be like, you're lying to me. And Mm -hmm. that is something that a narcissist is like amazing at. It's insane. If they spent that amount of time working on themselves. Imagine. They could be unstoppable. Unstoppable. It's it's so crazy to me. So I think the biggest takeaway from it is like, I always say this in the smaller things, go read up on it for sure. So you know what Mm -hmm. some signs of it. But number two is more importantly, if it's too good to be true, it usually is. Like that's like a hard knowing. That makes total sense. And clearly now you are an expert in figuring out what these red flags are. So you're able to avoid them for future partners. But I'm curious, what was it like when you first got back onto the dating scene? Like you said that that year coming out of your relationship was like one of the hardest. So how did you kind of like work through everything, get in a place where you felt confident dating again, where you wanted to date? And also just when you felt comfortable being in that quote unquote boring relationship that is so different from what a narcissist provides up front. So the first year after leaving my daughter's dad, I got back on like right away just to like fill my time and kind of like, Mm -hmm. I wasn't looking for a relationship, but I just was like, oh, I want to go out or, you know, whatever. I quickly Mm -hmm. realized, I think like three months in, I was so not 
ready to be doing any of that because I just wasn't emotionally able to handle it. I mm-hmm. definitely was not in a place that I could give to someone. I had a baby at home. I really had her most of the time and I was only going out when I didn't have her when she was with her dad. I was going through a high conflict custody case. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't in a place that was emotionally ready. So, but I will say this in that time. I went out with guys and I was like, oh my God, like, this is what a normal, like, human being can do. This is weird. You have to, like, re-get back into it. You're like, I'm not walking on eggshells. Like, I'm not dealing with someone that's, like, a psychopath. Um, So, I think it was good for that aspect. But I did take myself off after a couple of months because I was like, I need to get myself healthier. And I really need to focus on myself. And focusing on myself meant I needed to go to therapy and really understand how I got into that what happened and get myself back and get myself to a happy place and really online dating can sometimes make you get into a depressed funk because you're like that's what I coined the term I was like this is dumpster diving I'm like why is (laughs) Mm -hmm. this so bad is it because I'm older and like you know life has changed but oh my god it's so bad I'm like how do people meet people and I think I had to get to that healthy place. So I would say about a year after leaving him, and I would say, I think this is probably the longest we've been without being in court. So like the most stable Mm. it's been. But I mean, I was in court like every other week. My daughter had her own appointed attorney by the state. I mean, there was just so much going on that like I couldn't bring someone else into that mess as well. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's asking a lot. I mean, I had to ask myself, would I want to date someone that was doing that? Probably not. Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. Getting back out there and really, like, seeing it. And then I was in tune with it. And I was like, okay, I'm in a place where I can focus more on myself. My daughter's in preschool now. I have more time. And I was working on my career at the same time. And it's hard. I had a really hard time balancing everything. And also, I needed to find myself again. Like, I just was like, I'm my daughter's mom. That's what I. That's what mm-hmm. my name is. It's not Jenna anymore. <laughs> it's just, I'm a mom. And you, like, lose yourself in that. And again, I'm the sole provider for her. So there mm-hmm. was no, like, other half. Like, I'm doing everything and mm-hmm. still trying to maintain my career. So trying to date is so hard because I don't have the flexibility and the time to go out with someone. And I am traveling. And then when I'm home, if it's my weekend with her, that's it. And then I leave on the Mm -hmm. day again. And then I was like dating and I was so disgusted. I would go on these dates and I'd be like, okay, this person's not for me. And then Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be single forever. This is just how it is. Like, I know we all go down through that stuff, right? Yes. Yes. 100%. I'm going to be single forever. And I just got to a place where I finally, 2020, I said, this is going to be my year. I'm going to focus on myself. My daughter's in first mm-hmm. grade now. And then cue the pandemic hit, right? And it's oh, like, okay. So horrible. Wow. Exactly, right? Like, you know, she was in kindergarten at the time. We were in full day school. And I'm traveling for work. And mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of, like, my biggest travel season. And literally the pandemic hit. And I was like, okay, I mean, how am I going to date? You, you can't. Yeah. Like, can't what are you going to do? go anywhere. So that's when I started, like, really investigating and realizing that I had to shift that mindset of, like, 2020 is, like, the year of me to, like, let's just survive 2020. Because <laughs> Seriously. 
homeschool and everything else. It was just so crazy. Um, and I found the three day and I said, you know, I'm not having a good experience with the online dating. I mm-hmm. need something else. Like I need something that is real, authentic and really looking for the right things. Like I don't have mm-hmm. time to waste. I don't want to go on endless amounts of dates. I don't want to fall into someone that isn't looking for what I'm looking for or, mm-hmm. you know, just like the back and forth and constant. And at the end of the day, I'm not getting any younger. I'm getting older. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's that too. Not that that's like a huge, I already have my daughter. So if I only have her, I'm content. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like the longer it goes, the easier it is to get in your like own habit or like circle where you're like okay I don't want to get anything else so I was supposed to start in December so October is my birthday Mm -hmm. and I was like I'm gonna treat myself Mm -hmm. this is my birthday present to myself I don't know if anybody Mm -hmm. else does that because I think we should all give ourselves oh absolutely yes I do that all the time Okay, good. I'm glad that I'm not the only one. So I was like, I'm going to give myself a birthday present. And then actually it was like on our first meeting, my dad ended mm-hmm. up having a stroke mm-hmm. in November. Yeah. So my whole life like turned upside down. We're still yeah. very much alive and we're very grateful. But my whole life like turned upside down. So I had to step back and tell her, I was like, you know, I just, I have so much on my plate right now. Mm-hmm. I'm just like keeping my head above water. I was like, let's push it out to the new year. So I made that conscious effort. I'm not into new year's resolutions, but I'm more into goals and I'm a very goal driven person. I'm a type a personality. Mm-hmm. So I said, 2021, no matter if we're in pandemic or not, I need to take care of myself. Not meaning that I'm not going to take care of my daughter, but I need to put myself yeah. back into actually myself and I'm generally yeah. not just my daughter's mom if that makes mm-hmm. sense a hundred percent. And I feel like you're going to be a better mom when your needs are met also, because if you're just kind of putting your needs on the back burner endlessly, eventually that's going to catch up with you and you're not going to be in a healthy place. And as much as you think you're being there for your daughter, you can't. So it's, I think that you have the right idea. It's like you put her first, but you put yourself first at the same time. A hundred percent. And I'm at a place now where, you know, I mean, Listen, my plate is definitely full and I'm one of those people, like I feel guilty because I am a really working mom and usually traveling that like if her teacher's emailing me, I used to fly across the country at night to get back to help in the classroom. I mean, I'm her Girl Scout Mm -hmm. troop leader. I can never say no, but I'm like, okay, but I do have to have something for myself and I do and I'm ready. I finally came to the conclusion that I am really ready to date in a serious way, not just oh, it's fun. I like hanging out. We have fun on the the weekends I have off. I'm really ready to like go to the next level. But Mm -hmm. you have to get there in yourself. Like it's not someone telling me that I'm ready for that. And then there's some days still where I'm like, oh my God, I really love my life how it is. (laughs) This is great. (laughs) Do I want anything else? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like you do kind of have to go through that because – I don't know. I feel like it's kind of hard when you've only jumped from relationship to relationship. Like sometimes you need to have those experiences that are just fun and casual, I think, because not only to have a break and to have a period where you're not just dedicated to the serious relationship, but also because like those fun experiences can be like, oh, yeah, like I didn't really like that. And now that's one more data point that I have for the next serious relationship that I do have to know like this is going to work for me or this isn't going to work for me and is a non-negotiable. 
It's so true. And I say this, I will say this, and I know this is like cheesy and everybody says, you have to be happy with yourself before you can get into mm-hmm. a happy relationship. Mm-hmm. If there are things that you are not happy with, you are not going to pick the right person. Because every relationship I had gotten into, there was something I was going for, whether it be my career, or I wasn't happy where I was. You don't have a clear mind to get the right person into your life. And as cheesy as it is, and it used to piss me off when people would say this to me, I'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah. It is 100% <laughs> I totally agree. And I think earlier you started out by saying you're not looking for a white knight. And I think that's because you have built this amazing life for yourself. You literally have no need for that. And it's really nice when you can come to a relationship from a place of strength rather than being like, well, I need this person to fill this void or like, I need this person to help me be financially, not independent because you're depending on them, but financially stable or like, I need them for emotional support. But when you're like, I have all these things on my own, my life is great. I just want to bring someone in who can share that life with me, I think that's when you're going to get the best partner possible. I 100% agree. But nobody can tell you these things. And these things you have to find out for yourself, unfortunately. And it's funny because people will be like, oh, well, do you ever like see your friends' relationships and like you're jealous of them? And I'm like, no, because most people are in really unhealthy relationships. They're not perfect. And let me get this straight. No relationship is going to be perfect. That's not reality. But at the same time, it's like, how many people do you know that are actually in really healthy relationships? Yeah. Or even if they are in like what might be a healthy relationship for them, there are some relationships that I'm like, oh my God, that works so well for you. And I could never date that person. Like they make you happy, but they are not for me. So I think that does really help to like prevent that jealousy and just realizing like not everyone's needs are the same and what you see on the surface isn't even necessarily the whole extent of the relationship. A hundred percent. I mean, one thousand percent. And I always say this is another thing, especially after coming out of a relationship with a narcissist, you never know what goes on behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. Because people used to say to me always... You and your ex had the perfect life. Like you had this house, you had this, and you had a kid, and you had these great jobs, and and you travel. But it's like, you don't know what I lived like behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. And that's something Mm -hmm. that I think that as a society, we need to be more open to. And no matter how they look, like Instagram is a highlight. And I say Mm -hmm. this because, yes, I do use Instagram, but I'm really trying to be more realistic and show you. Like I'm telling people, today was a freaking horrible day we had meltdowns over schoolwork. i haven't mm-hmm. showered in four days like mm-hmm. this is life so yeah. i think that when we go back to that we need to be more accepting and like not everything is perfect and not every day i can put on makeup i mean some days you're lucky mm-hmm. if the hair's washed you know that's oh just my god life. Uh, yeah I love that. And I think that from what I've seen on your social accounts, I think you do really lean into that authenticity. And I remember when you were still, you know, going through health struggles with your dad and still seeing how he was doing and progressing. I loved that you were vulnerable about sharing that with your followers. And I think that's really admirable because it can be hard to open up even to the people who are closest to us, let alone opening up to these people who, for the most part, only see you on a pedestal. A hundred percent. And I think that goes back to like, this is real life. Like I have struggles. I mean, I I tell you this pandemic, 
I am a go-go person, and so being home like this, and this is, I think, the longest I've been home without flying every week. I mean, mm-hmm. literally, right before the pandemic, I was on track to get the highest tier at American Airlines, and I was oh so excited. It was like a game uh, to me. Yeah, and so I hope they save your status. Transition, yes, and like this is like transitioning. You know, yes, I'm a full time mom all the time, but I mean, I'm home twenty four seven. Like this is not me I'm a go 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 so I think everything has changed in our life right like there's so Mm -hmm. much room for growth and it's not easy and I will be the first person to tell you I'm the worst teacher ever I mean my daughter's like (laughs) mom we're gonna fire you I'm like please fire me I'm like because I don't want to be a teacher I want to be your mom (laughs) so I think like life is just crazy right now and we are so divided on each other and so negative towards each other like everyone is Mm -hmm. going through something whether they share that there's something on the inside and I think we need to be more loving caring understanding Mm -hmm. more so than like pointing the fingers at Oh my gosh, yes. I wish that everyone could really let that message resonate and take it to heart. I think we have a long way to go before people do that. It seems like we're just getting more and more divided with every passing day, but it's such an important message for people to hear. If only they would just take it to heart. Yeah. And I hope, you know, I mean, listen, I see the world through my daughter's eyes and it like brings me tears because I wish everyone could see the world through a child's eyes. Yeah, like it's such a different experience and I wish we were more open and accepting to everyone not everyone has had a perfect life and at the mm-hmm. bottom line we all have some value to bring to everybody and that was one of my mm-hmm. missions is I got through this like ask me questions like you want to know what it's like I'll tell you the real deal like I have no filter as they say <laughs> I don't know if it's a good thing <laughs> or a bad thing but I'm here like <laughs> Let's help each other, like inspire each other. Like we are women, like sisterhood. And it's just, it's not that. And we need to make it. I know. Yeah, we really do need to lift each other up, form those connections. And I think that's why one of the many reasons why I'm so glad that it's like we could connect and just share our experiences as women, even though we were strangers like two and a half months ago. And it's crazy. And I feel like you're like a soul sister to me. So I like I don't even know I'm like hope we get to meet after the pandemic same (laughs) I was just gonna say I'm like gosh I need things to just get back to normal would love to meet you in person go to brunch all of that fun stuff and we could like share dating stories yes yes so I have loved this so much and I wanted to kind of close out with a game and the game that I thought would be fun was doing fuck, Mary kill, but celebrity dad edition. And so in this case, you know, if you decide to marry them, that's the choice that you think would make the best dad. And if you decide to just fuck them, then it's like, okay, yeah, I'd hook up with them, but I probably wouldn't want to introduce them to my daughter and then kill just gotta get rid of them. All right. So let's dive into the first trio. So first trio I have is Brad Pitt, Matthew McConaughey, and Bradley Cooper. Okay, Matthew McConaughey, Mary, Bradley Cooper, 
hookup or fuck and Brad mm-hmm. Pitt kill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like they're all great, right? But like Brad Pitt for me, he just has like too much baggage to be honest. And I know like there's a lot of allegations about him maybe not being the best dad. So I'm like, I don't want to deal with that. Um, Matthew McConaughey and Bradley Cooper, first of all, before this, I didn't know that either of them were dads. So that was a pleasant surprise. And I'm just like, oh, that's so cute. I think they'd both be great, but I'd probably pick the same as you, Mary Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, I I know both of them are very good looking. (laughs) Yeah, very, very. So the next trio, Ryan Reynolds, Chris Hemsworth, and Chris Pratt. Okay, Ryan Reynolds... I think would probably be the best dad. Chris Hemsworth, I would kill because I don't think he's like dad oh. material ready for that. And then Chris, what was the, the other one? Was Chris Pratt. I'm sorry, Mary. Yeah, Chris Pratt. I would fuck. Okay, okay. So Chris Hemsworth is like one of my top celebrity crushes. And interestingly, I also didn't know that he had a daughter until this, or maybe it was a son. I actually now can't remember. But I didn't know he had a kid, but he's my top celebrity crush. So I feel like I might have to pick him to marry. And then Ryan Reynolds, I think I would fuck. And Chris Pratt, I would kill. I don't know. It's tough because they're all really great. So I feel bad saying that for any of them, honestly. But I think Chris Pratt. I know. I just, like, imagine him in Parks and Rec, and I can't get that out of my head. And I'm like, well, I wouldn't want him to be a dad to my kid. <laughs> it's too goofy. And I, I didn't was, even know he had a kid. Right? Yeah. And I think he kind of, like, after his breakup with Anna Ferris, I heard he was kind of, like, unhinged. And, like, I have coworkers who have had to kind of work with him um, for promotion for films. And I think he's, like, actually kind of weird. So. Yeah, no. No. I, so I'm just not going to deal with that. All right, so I have a musician edition. John Legend, Justin Timberlake, and Usher. Okay, Justin Timberlake, Mary. Like, I'm obsessed with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so amazing. Usher, kill. Not into Usher so much. <laughs> He's got some baggage and drama. A hundred percent. And then the John Legend fuck. Okay, okay. I would marry John Legend because I feel like I've seen so much of his relationship because I follow Chrissy Teigen, and I'm like, they seem really cute. Yeah. Like, because I've seen that, I they think do. it makes me more in, t- in tune to marry him. Justin Timberlake, he's great. I have always thought he was very attractive, but I think I would just fuck him. I don't really know as much about him as a dad. And Usher, agree, have to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so next up, I have Athlete Edition. Steph Curry, David Beckham, or Tom Brady? Oh, my God. I'm, like, so bad because I'm not an athlete. Okay, Tom Brady, (laughs) I think, is, like, an amazing dad, so I'd marry him. Mm -hmm. Um, David Beckham, I know too much about, and he's, Mm. like, cheats on his wife and all this stuff, so I'd kill him. Oh, Yeah, I've heard. I mean, I can't, like, verify for sure, but... um, and or who is my second? The other one, I don't even know who that is. Oh, he's like the main player on the Golden State Warriors. Okay, see, I'm so bad. So, at sports, I don't know yeah, so. no, that's totally fair. I don't even know who I'd pick, to be honest, as I'm thinking about it. It's like Steph Curry, I kind of like, but I'm like, I feel like all basketball players cheat. I want to believe he doesn't cheat on Aisha Curry, but I just don't know. That's so tough. So, I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm on the fence with that one. That's a little bit of a wash. <laughs> 
Okay, so I have one more. And so the rest of these dads, they've been like all very desirable for the most part, I would say. But I have to close out with dads that are problematic for one reason or another. So we have Kanye West, we have Alec Baldwin, and Tom Cruise. Oh, wow. That's like, that's like, like what, what is worse? Okay, Kanye West definitely killed. He's just on another level. Like, I don't even, I, that, I don't even know what that is. Um, Alec Baldwin, I guess. I would have to pick Alec Baldwin, I think, out of all three of them. Even though he's not very good either. No. And then... Right? Like, I mean, those are, like... I don't know. I like, don't you're like, know. I don't... Because I... Okay. So, for me, Tom Cruise is, like, he's just, like, crazy. I don't know if he's a bad person. I think he's just, like, crazy and it would be a lot to deal with. With Alec Baldwin, I think from what I've seen, I think he's, like, the worst person because you know like you hear those audio clips of him like berating his daughter so i'm like i actually think he would be oh a horrible dad i remember that like so vividly and i was so like, bad oh. kanye is like delusional obviously like he really needs a lot of help but i think he really loves his daughters and and son i think he's a good person i just think he's so troubled so it's like i think i would kill alec baldwin uh, but then I don't know who I would marry. I mean, that one's really hard. I know. I like went into it being like, I don't even know what I'm going to pick. Oh my God. Like I am a big Kanye fan for his music. I'll be like transparent about that. But then I'm yeah. like, can you marry someone just because you like their music? I don't know. No. And the thing is, I loved Kanye like pre before he went like off the rails, like his mm-hmm. old stuff. And it's mm-hmm. just like, I feel like since he got with like Kim Kardashian, he just, I don't know what happened. I feel like there's just this joke that every man that gets involved in the Kardashian family just goes off the rails in like some way or another. It's wild. Yeah, that's like a definite podcast. (laughs) That really (laughs) could be so fascinating. Dive into all of the exes and like where things went wrong. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know if I have a final answer for this. I don't think I do either. Like, it's, like, really hard. Yeah. Like, because it's, like, picking the lesser of all the evils, you know? So Mm -hmm. you're, like, because in my right mind, I'm, like, but none of these are acceptable. None of them are acceptable at all. It's just, like, the reason why it varies so wildly for each of them. For sure. Yeah, let's call it a wash. I'm going to kill Alec Baldwin on the record, but I will, I don't have an on-the-record answer for the remaining two. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. This was a blast. And I would love if you could tell my listeners where they can find you, where they can find your amazing like style and fashion and everything that you have to offer. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at Chloe Madison LA. It's C-H-L-O-E-M-A-D-I-S-O-N-L-A. All one word. And drop in there. I love meeting people just like yourself. Um, yes. And if you have questions or you want to know red flags, hit my DM box. <laughs> yes. I highly recommend. Everyone should connect with her. She's so amazing, clearly. And thank you again for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yes. And of course, you can find the podcast on Interstates and Heartbreak on Instagram. And it's all one word spelled out. You can find my personal account at Leslie Nope, L-E-S-L-I-E-G-N-O-P-E. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Thanks. 
Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.